Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Brian Kilmeade Show, 1-866-408-7669. I'll get to your calls in about 10 minutes, but right now it's my privilege to bring in uh, Diane Macedo, an Emmy Award-winning journalist, anchor and correspondent. Won all award- she won all her awards after she left Fox. I don't know if it's a coincidence. She's now with ABC, author of a brand-new book, The Sleep Fix, Practical, Proven, and Surprising Solutions for Insomnia, Snoring, Shift Work, and More. Uh, Diane, I know you do shift work because the first time I met you was coming to work because you were working at FBN and at Fox, and we were up in the middle of the night. We sure were, and that's where it all started. But, Brian, first I just want to say hi. It's so nice to talk to you, hear your voice, and, and I'm so grateful for you having me on today. I always know you're going to be great, uh, and but I was hoping you were going to do it at Fox. Maybe you'll come back. <laughs> but but you, would, you wrote this book because you were addressing a problem you were having. I did. You know, for years I had trouble sleeping, and I kind of dismissed it as just, well, that's how I'm built. Uh, but eventually it got so bad that I just couldn't ignore it anymore. And so I started reading, you know, popular books about sleep and articles and whatnot and trying all the typical tips that you see out there. And I just kept getting worse and worse. And eventually I went to my doctor. She prescribed Ambien and convinced me to take it because I was super hesitant. Um, and I did. And for a while it was like magic. And then eventually the Ambien stopped working, too. And my doctor's suggestion was just to take more, but I kind of decided then and there that that was not going to be the way forward for me. And so I started, I became kind of a sleep nerd. I started reading sleep textbooks and books that were written by clinicians who treat people with sleep problems. And that's where I found my answers. And I was surprised at how practical most of them were, how quickly they worked for me, and how different they were than everything else that I was kind of hearing out there. And so I just kind of thought to myself, why isn't anybody talking about this stuff? And uh, and eventually I ended up writing the book that I wish had existed when I was struggling. And so here we are with the sleep fix. So you had the insomnia thing. You had trouble sleeping. Uh, and we also know the ramifications of not sleeping because it's amazing. Every time I do a book like this, uh, I read uh, a book about sleep, I'm saying to myself, I check all the boxes on danger because I only sleep about four hours. I got about 10 to 215, 220. Um, and which is problematic long term, although I'm still alive, barely. Uh, what are some of the if I choose not to address it, what did you find out happens if people aren't addressing their sleep issues? I mean, the list is endless, honestly. And if I can tell you for me, I went through years of sleep deprivation due to my strange sleep schedule and due to insomnia, which was the anxiety that was keeping me awake. And, you know, I, I alone had dry eyes. I had acid reflux. My brain always felt kind of foggy. It was like my body felt like it was on fire all the time. I had a lot of trouble focusing. I started noticing mood changes in myself. And I didn't associate any of these things with my sleep. Nor did I do a whole lot to address them other than my acid reflux. And little did I know that as soon as I fixed my sleep, all of these things went away. And that was the experience of a lot of the people I interviewed for the book. They had all these symptoms that they were attributing to other things. 
And once they fixed, it, fixed their sleep, their health improved dramatically. So some of the things you address, you address snoring, you address insomnia, people that wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, so let's, let's address them. Let's, what are some of the ways? If people cannot sleep, what are the, some of the ways you address this? So I think the key number one is to try to figure out what it is that's actually keeping you awake because there are a lot of different things that can keep us awake. And I think we often are misled to believe that if we all just follow these perfect 10 tips, then we're all going to sleep great. But it really depends on what your actual problem is. And so that's kind of where the book starts in trying to walk people through some of the common sleep disorders and some of the nuances between them because we often just assume everything is insomnia and there are a lot of other things that are easily confused for insomnia. Like mind racing. That's very common. Sorry? Like you're racing. You have trouble settling down, shutting off your brain. Yeah, yes. So, so that is probably the most common, right? People say, I can't sleep because I can't shut my brain off. And so, you know, one is that in itself is a misconception that we're supposed to be able to kind of turn off our thoughts to go to sleep. Our brains are always active, even while we're sleeping. But what I found was most helpful to me, and a lot of the clinicians that I spoke to echoed this, is a practice called constructive worry. And I just like to call it a brain dump or a worry list. And it's so simple. You just take a notebook, divide the page down the center. On the left-hand side, you write down anything that's on your mind. Dump your brain out onto the page. And then on the right-hand side, you write down the very next step to resolving that issue. You may not even know the ultimate solution, and that's fine. Just the next step to, to drive it in the right direction. Maybe it's just to call a friend who knows more about that issue than you do. And when you run out of things to write down on the page, the exercise is over. And when I read about this, I thought, well, Ambien doesn't put me to sleep anymore, but this, this notebook thing is going to. But it works because by giving your mind this opportunity to kind of process your thoughts and feelings from the day, it alleviates the need to do that in bed because so many, so many of us are not giving ourselves the opportunity to do that because we're go, go, go all day and we're on our phones whenever we're not. The other thing is if by giving yourself this moment to do this kind of processing of your thoughts and feelings, your brain starts to form an association that, oh, this is where we stay awake and we worry, not when my head hits the pillow. Because for most of us, we have formed this association that our bed is where we stay awake and worry. And so we have to divorce that association. This helps to do that. And it also, part of the reason we get repetitive thoughts when we're laying in bed is our brain just trying to remind us to deal with these issues. And so once you've written it on the page, you alleviate the need for that reminder. And then finally, it gets you focused on solutions as opposed to just ruminating on problems, which is something we can really get stuck in when we're in that insomnia cycle. And after about two, three weeks, most of the clinicians I spoke to say, you don't even have to do this daily notebook exercise anymore. Your brain just kind of gets the memo and starts to do this automatically. And I found for me, it was super effective after just two weeks. I didn't have to do anymore. It was like my brain just understood bed on pillow means it's time to sleep, not time to stay awake and worry about what I'm going to be for Halloween in five months. Interesting. Uh, so a couple of things. What about what do you do about snoring? What does that indicate? Is that is that a problem that you address? Yeah, well, interestingly, snoring is something we often think of as just a problem for the bed partner, but snoring has been shown to disrupt the sleep of the snorer themselves, even if they don't have sleep apnea, which many, many snorers do. So one, if you snore, get screened for sleep apnea. But there are also a lot of kind of things you can do at home that may alleviate it for you. For example, using nasal strips or using a nasal dilator. Uh, a lot of people who have sleep apnea don't want to get diagnosed, or if they are diagnosed, they don't want to use their CPAP machine because they don't like the idea of sleeping with a CPAP. Many cases of sleep insomnia can be relieved with the use of a proper mouth guard. 
So a lot of people, I think, are avoiding going to the doctor and even getting diagnosed because they don't want that machine on their face. You don't necessarily need that. And there are several other things, body positioners and so on, lots of different choices that people have to look at and decide what they think will work best for them. And certain apps that you can use to then record yourself while you sleep so you can monitor what's having the best results for you. And anyone who is going to a doctor and seeing a specialist because they do have sleep apnea, that doctor should be able to talk you through other options if you feel the CPAP is not something you can use. They should be able to talk you through what other options are available to you so you can find the best solution for you. So Diane uh, Macedo's with us now. She's author of The Sleep Fix. It's now out this week. Diane, what about uh, people who want to know how many hours they need to sleep? Why does it vary so much? Well, I'm glad you said that because most people think they need, quote, unquote, the recommended eight hours, and that's a myth. You know, we need most adults, according to the National Sleep Foundation, need somewhere between seven and nine hours, but the range can be anywhere from five to 11 hours. And I think that's important because a lot of us, we worry about the ramifications of not getting enough sleep, but nobody talks about the opposite end of the coin. If you're someone who, say, needs six hours and you're trying to force yourself to get eight hours, all that time spent awake and worrying in bed is going to give you insomnia. And so for I think the key is just to monitor how you feel. If you feel you know, like you need a nap all day, if you're the kind of person who's sort of dozing off when you sit down in a waiting room or when you sit down to watch TV in the middle of the day, that's a sign that something's wrong. And if you feel like you're getting enough sleep and enough time in bed, then something's disrupting your sleep without you noticing it. And it could be sleep apnea. It could be uh, lots of other complications can do that. And so that's a sign that you want to get checked out. It's not normal to feel that way and to doze off a lot during the day. On the flip side, if you feel good, your energy levels are good overall, you feel okay all day, then that's a sign you're probably getting enough sleep, even if it's not the quote-unquote recommended eight hours. And I think a lot of people assume they can't have a sleep disorder because they think they are getting those eight hours when actually their sleep is being disrupted. So it's much more about how you feel than it is the hours on the clock or the hours on your fitness tracker. How do you know if you're getting enough sleep? I think it's just how you, know, just how you feel. There's no kind of proper litmus test to know, oh, I am exactly a six-hour person. But if you go to bed when you feel sleepy, you sleep reasonably through the night, it's normal to wake up, you know, let's say once during the night or whatnot, and we all wake up very briefly after every sleep cycle, just most of us don't remember it. But if you wake up in the morning and you're not fighting your alarm clock, you can wake up sort of almost naturally, et cetera, and you feel pretty good in the morning, then that's a sign you're getting enough sleep. If on the flip side, you're taking a long time to fall asleep, you wake up and you take a long time to fall back to sleep, or you feel excessively sleepy in the morning when your alarm clock goes off, <laughs> you, you feel terrible like you didn't get enough sleep at all, or again, you feel sleepy during the day, those are signs that you're not getting enough. All right. Is there things that you walked away with when you started studying your own problem and realized there was a book here? Are there things that you walked away with that you want everyone to know, regardless of what they're dealing with, about sleep? Yeah, I think more than anything that this isn't something that you just have to deal with. One of the most common things I heard in interviewing people for this book was, oh, that's just the way I am. I'm just a bad sleeper. And so many of us, even since childhood, have been called, quote, unquote, bad sleepers, that we've kind of programmed ourselves to think that that's a normal thing. And it's not. All of these things, they are treatable and they will absolutely change your life once you address these issues. And what's interesting is how many other things then start to fall into place with that. Because sleep is connected to so many other things that we do 
that for me, for example, as soon as I started sleeping better, not only did those symptoms that I told you about, my dry eyes, my acid reflux and all that stuff start getting better, but I also started eating better because when we're sleep deprived, we have a tendency to crave bad foods and to crave foods at inappropriate times. So fixing my sleep then made me start eating better, which obviously has its own health ramifications. And you find that it's one of those things where you pull on this thread and so many other things get better as a result. All right. Uh, Diane, how are you doing? You like it over at ABC? I can't complain. You know, I'm, I'm good right now. My family's good. My colleagues are great. Uh, I'm, I'm a happy camper, but I am really happy to be talking with you again as well, Brian. Absolutely, Diane. We hope we get you on Fox and Friends, too. Diane Macedo, pick up her book, The Sleep Fix, A Practical, Proven, and Surprising Solutions for Insomnia, Snoring, Shift Work, and More. Thanks, Diane. Oh, great to talk to you, Brian. Have a good one. All right, good. I will memorize this book. When we come back, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine. Don't move. Educating. Entertaining. Enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.